Hello and welcome to another episode of our To Kill a Mockingbird podcast. I'm Mr. Sebastian. I'm Hannah Graves. Uh, today we'll be talking about the trial and things you may have missed. Um, do not listen to this podcast unless you've read the trial, because we're not going to go through this blow by blow. Um, you're going to want to have this fairly fresh in your mind when we go through. We're just going to give you a glimpse at the extra little bits you may may have missed along the way. Uh, now, when you think about the trial, don't think of what happens in the courtroom. Think about justice, because the kind of question you might get in an exam might be along the lines of uh, how does Lee explore the theme of justice in the novel? Um, and if you just focused on the trial scenes, you, you'd get some great drama, but you wouldn't necessarily see the injustice uh, as much because most of the injustice takes place um, outside the, the courtroom. So I would say when talking about the, um, uh, the trial, it's worth looking at um, the, uh, uh, it's worth looking at the, um, uh, I think it's chapter 15, which is where men assemble outside of the Finch home. And it's Hectate, who we, who we know is the sheriff, and we know from the dog shooting scene that he's, he's a good one um, and uh, he can be trusted. Uh, but these men assemble and they start talking about how there's going to be trouble. And it's quite a, a tense scene. Uh, Scout and Jem are, uh, are inside peeking through the blinds and they can't quite work out what's going on. And um, when it's all over and Atticus comes inside, um, uh, Jem says, were they a gang? And um, that's when Atticus kind of kind of laughs them off and say, oh, no, 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 them, no, they, they were nothing to worry about. And actually, they were nothing to worry about. They weren't insinuating that they were going to make trouble. They were, they were warning Atticus, we need to be ready for this because there is going to be trouble. So it creates this nice sense of narrative um, uh, tension starts to build at this point, that we're anticipating trouble to be coming. Uh, but it's interesting that there's this misunderstanding that Jem and, and Scout have. They think that the trouble was these men outside. And that's a, a little bit of a, a red herring. The, these men weren't trouble. These men were the harbingers saying trouble is coming. And this group of men outside the house foreshadows what happens later in the chapter, um, which is... Um, uh, which is the the scene outside the the court the courthouse jail where Atticus is sat there with a, a little lamp for reading and a chair, and uh, a, a real gang of men turn up to um, to, to to try and lynch uh, Tom Robinson. Um, in that uh, in that scene, the word lynch isn't actually used. You are expected as a reader to know what a lynch mob looks like. And there's lots of little clues along the way. We know, if, you're, if, you, if you understand the context, you should know after a couple of paragraphs of description, these men are here to lynch and, and no other thing. Lynching was hugely common during this period. There's another par, par, um, podcast that kind of covers this. Um, but um, lynching was hugely common during this time. And these men who turn up, they all have their shirts buttoned way, way up, their sleeves rolled way down, their hats pulled down over their faces, and they all smell of stale whiskey. Uh, there is this very clear idea that these men, they've, they've got themselves liquored up, uh, they don't want to be identified, and they are here uh, for one purpose, and that is to, to murder Tom Robinson. Um, so, just in terms of justice and injustice, just kind of consider that is that sets the precedent for the trial that's or the precedent that, that kind of lays the um uh 
the, the, the tension sort of quite high, sets the scene before the trial even begins. We've already seen essentially a lynch mob form who wants blood, they want death, they want things to happen. Moving on into tr the trial itself, um, it's structured in a, a very straightforward way. We have um, Hectate, Sheriff Hectate on the stand. He tells us the facts of the case, followed by um, uh, Bob Yule, who tells us his side of things, and then uh, uh, Maya, Mayela Yule, who tells us her side of things, and then finally Tom Robinson, who fills us in with uh, uh, the truth um, of what happened. Um, but uh, so that's all fair. It's a, I mean, it's a great read. It's nice and dramatic. There's, there's, there's lots of, you know, aha moments that happen. Uh, but there's lots of little things that you might not notice that happen in there. So one thing is, Bob Yule's full name is Robert E. Lee Yule. Who was Robert E. Lee? Oh, so he was a Confederate general. And, um, you know, it's, it just sort of is a signal. Uh, a Confederate general obviously fighting for the South, fighting for slaveholding. It's just a signal of the ways in which, you know, it, it much like that introductory chapter, links us back again to the kind of obsession with the civil war that runs throughout Maycomb and, and runs throughout the South. Um, if we're whistle-stop touring, I mean, there's just a few other bits and pieces. Obviously, we're going to assume that you have read those chapters and followed the beats of the trial, the twists, the revelations, how Atticus is sort of working his argument, letting it build slowly, letting people kind of hang themselves by their own words and their own lies. Um, I guess it is interesting to note where, you know, that the courthouse is segregated, first of all. I mean, it's sort of like the lynch mob. It's another sign of, you know, the reality of things and the environment. And that, but that that is where Scout, Jem uh, and Dill end up sitting. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's hugely important. It's, you know, it's a segregated society. Um, uh, black men and women are on a, on a, on a separate balcony uh, removed from, from white society. And then, of course, you know, it, it's quite symbolic that uh, Jem and Scout and, and Dill have to go uh, sit up there with them. Um, uh, other things you may have missed from the trial. Uh, so Mayella, different film versions, stage versions. Mayella is such an interesting character because she herself has a, a horrible life. And um, the narrator um, wonders at what moment, what must this person's life be like? Because Mayella is the eldest daughter of Robert E. Lee Yule. Uh, she has no mother and she has numerous um, younger siblings who she basically takes care of and looks after. And we know that uh, Bob Yule regularly gets drunk and is, is you know, generally up to no good. So this poor woman, she's basically a slave to, 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 to her, her family. And um, uh, she's just portrayed as this really... Uh, you know, tragic figure. She thinks that Atticus is mocking her by calling her Miss Mayella, which is a, a, t a fairly standard, um, a very typical way of just referring to someone politely in the South. You'd be, you know, you're Mr. or Miss, and then your first name, Mr. Edward, Miss, you know, Miss Mayella, Miss whatever. Um, so she, no one's ever been nice to her. She doesn't have any friends. And the one thing she's got that's good in her life is, I think it's some geraniums that she waters. Um, but, her life gets darker and darker. Yeah, so, you know, it's implied, you know, if uh, obviously, you know, the Yules and the you know prosecution are claiming that Tom Robinson raped Mayella. We, through sort of Atticus's defence strategy, uh, realise this is, you know, all uh, 
made up complete conjecture. And through Tom Robinson's, you know, testimony, we learned that he, um, you know, saw a very different portrait. He saw this sad girl. He recognized it in her. Um, but, uh, there are illusions that she has probably been a victim of rape and abuse. And that comes through Tom's testimony. Um, uh, yeah, it's on uh, page 214. Uh, it says, the witness swallowed hard. So this is Tom Robinson swallowed hard. And Tom Robinson says, she reached up and kissed me on the side of the face. She says she never kissed a grown man before and she might as well kiss uh, an N-word. She says, what her papa do don't count. So it's just one line, it's quite subtle. And I think this is an example of the ways this book uh, works on different levels for different readers. I think it's something that you might bypass or, or, or not focus if you read this when you were younger, but um, is nevertheless there. And it's, again, just another uh, very subtle way that, um, you know, information about Mayella's kind of very difficult home life, difficult situation, abusive situation. It's very clear that it was her father who, at, you know, at least uh, beat her up and is responsible for her injuries um, is, is established. And some of that sympathy, finally, for the Yule children who are kind of dismissed earlier on in the novel. Um, but yeah, that line, uh, you know, what her father do don't count. It, it you know, if you if you are a, a sophisticated reader, you know, Oh, her father has, uh, you know, at very least, been kissing her or touching her inappropriately. I mean, it's quite possible she's been a victim of systematic abuse from her father her, her entire life, um, which is just deeply, deeply tragic, and I think often goes over the heads of um, of, of of many readers. That also, bear in mind, um, uh, is quite important because the reason why Mister Yule, by by Bob Yule. Um, takes revenge and wants revenge against Atticus uh, after the trial, even though he won the trial, even though, you know, Tom Robinson, you know, gets sentenced to it. Um, uh, Atticus says, I embarrassed him in public. And, you know, the whole court system, you know, he had his day in court, but he was the absolute laughing stock, and uh, all of his secrets came out. And if you consider how high the stakes are for Bob Yule, you've basically just had the entire town find out that you if you read that line carefully you, the whole town has just found out that you're a serial abuser of your daughter you can't let that slide you've got to challenge Atticus over that and threaten him um so th there's a lot that rides on that and if you read over it quickly you can miss out this very very important line Inter interestingly it is so controversial that line it was cut from the 1962 film version it's one of the few lines of dialogue that are cut from the 1962 film version. Moving on. Um, during the trial, there are two points where we are um, introduced to a character called Mr. Dolphus Raymond. And Mr. Dolphus Raymond is um, a character who's a, a white man who uh, has a, a, a black family and mixed race children. I guess what's immediately interesting about that is where you know, in the, it would sort of, we meet this character in a break from this trial, which is about, you know, the kind of prohibitions around, you know, interracial contract, contact. And even though the trial is sort of purportedly about a rape, we as readers, you know, know that that didn't actually happen and are sort of led to, you know, agree with Tom's version of events that Mayella, you liked him and wanted to kiss him. Um, and, um, you know, he resisted, he's married. 
he knows the risks and um, then Bob, you'll found them. So we have this, you know, uh, on trial effectively is the very notion of having inter uh, an interracial relationship, interracial contact. And the implication in Atticus's um, defense of Tom Robinson that Mayella, you know, may have just wanted to kiss him is so abhorrent to the community and Bob Yule and Mayella herself that this is a real taboo, a social taboo, that we shouldn't have any racial mixing. So it's curious that we have this break where we meet this character who does have mixed race children. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, if you if you really want to make sure you're getting a, an eight or a nine, uh, think about how Mr. Dolphus Raymond's uh, lifestyle is a is a, um, it's a mirror of uh, the Tom Robinson Mayella uh, trial. Uh, so uh, what's important here is an understanding of the, of the one drop theory. Um, and, uh, and that's covered in, a, in an earlier podcast, one of our context um, podcasts about you know, what a racist think. Um, uh, essentially, uh, throughout um, North American history, white men had had relationships with um, black women. Um, and uh, black female slaves, um, and 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 that was a fairly common thing. It, it it was it was debatable whether you could say it was accepted, but it was certainly tolerated that a white man could uh, um, sleep with a uh, a white man could sleep with a a black woman, and uh, and and that would be frowned upon, but it wasn't a crime. Yes, and of course we can actually debate, uh, you know, historically how consensual these relationships were, and that's a whole other thing. We cover some of that in that podcast about what race racists think, but um, it was a sort of permissible transgression. Uh, and conversely, you know, and and again, this is covered in another episode. Conversely, white women are perceived and perceived by racists still to be kind of racial gatekeepers as. A childbearing. And so the sense of interracial contact between a white woman and a black man has always been policed violently and heavily by, you know, white supremacists in America. And, you know, as you may well know uh, from other contextual, you know, stuff that we've done, there were several trials, very much like the Tom Robinson trial, which were all about, you know, uh, effectively false rape accusations against black men, um, such as the Emmett Till trial, um, the Scottsboro Boys trial. You can look those up, you can talk about them with your teachers, but it is just worth being aware of that context. And so Mr. Dolphus Racing, he's one of these side characters. This is why this is one of those things you might have missed. But it's interesting just to potentially go back, look through some of those introductions to his character, think about how he lives his life, how he's able to negotiate his relationship with the town. What does that say about the town and what does that sort of tell us, especially about the trial that these young children, who are quite naive on sexual matters, go back to. It also brings us back to this word hypocrisy, which we see really throughout this whole text, which is, why is it that um, a relationship between a black man and a white woman ends up with uh, a trial uh, and an a innocent black man being sentenced to death? And why is it that a, a, a relationship, a consensual relationship between a white man and a black woman is seen as being, well, not ideal, but tolerated in society. And that's potentially something just to have in your back pocket if you get questions about gender in this book, because I think you would naturally 
um, immediately go to things about Scout's ta tomboy status, her interactions with Calpurnia and Aunt Alexandra, you know, the ways people are trying to feminize her. But there are other ways in which gender and race do intersect in this story. They're kind of side plots and, mm -hmm. and alluded to. And so we just wanted to kind of draw your attention to that as a, another example of these little kind of small things in the trial that are part of the the major story. And of course, just to, to, to bring um, uh, last kind of uh, sh shine a last light on Mr. Dolphus Raymond, the way he deals with it is he pretends to be drunk. Uh, he, everyone thinks he's drinking whiskey. He's really drinking Coca-Cola. But he tells Dill, it's just easier. It's just easier if people think you're a bit drunk because then they blame the alcohol. That, however, is, um, is not actually confronting the problem. He's not Atticus. Uh, Atticus allegedly you know, confronts these problems that society has. Mr. Dolphus Raymond has found a convenient way to have his cake and eat it. Um, so, uh, other things he may have missed during the trial. Um, uh, for me, once the trial is kind of concluded, um, you get these really interesting uh, little reflections on the trial that happen um, afterwards. And I would say that you know, the trial and justice isn't really concluded until Tom Robinson is dead. A uh, little reminder, he is described as having 17 bullet holes in him when he's found dead. So he goes to jail um, and um, he, he knows that he's either going to get killed in jail uh, get life in prison or get the, you know, the, the electric chair. And so um, the story that we hear from the Atticus tells us that he'd heard is that Tom Robinson um, said he, you know, he d just made a run um, for the, the, the prison wall and started climbing over it. And Atticus says, you know, generously, they said, uh, if he'd had two working arms, he would have uh, made it over. First of all, further emphasizing that he is a he is a, uh, a disabled man, um, just to remind us of that sort of sympathetic angle. But um, and uh, maybe this is going through my mind at the moment because of everything that's happening in uh, America at the moment with the Black Lives Matter movement. But a one armed man running away from a prison, still inside the prison, trying to climb a wall it should not take 17 shots to kill him. And they say they shot once as a warning and then they shot again. But there seems to be something quite bloody-minded and quite vindictive about the way he is killed. Um, it, it, it doesn't take 17 shots to kill a man. Um, and, uh, and that just seems like excessive force. But what's more is we don't know that that's the case. Atticus doesn't know that that's the case. All we know is that Tom Robinson went to jail and the guards killed him. They say he was trying to escape, but 17 bullet wounds sounds pretty excessive. So in terms of uh, the trial, that's all we wanted to draw your attention to in this episode. The trial, it's not just what happens in the courthouse, which is fantastic, but uh, it, it's the injustice and the stirrings that happened from before all the way through to Tom Robinson's death at the end. <laughs>